always the goofball, always the one that uh, needed to make people smile and, and laugh. When uh, I was in, in ninth grade at North High, I totally totally just a horrible report card just because I was having too much fun being with my friends and not doing my schoolwork. How was my mother going to discipline me? She says, okay, you can't play music. You can't, we're going to pull you out of band. And saw just how miserable I was. And then she's like, okay, I can't take that away from him because that's his, that's his love. That, that, that would, you know, that would be more dangerous to, you know, let alone me, but all of us. So it was, you know, uh, being grounded. She had the foresight to, okay, let me not take music away from him. You know, going back to high school, had friends that were musicians, friends that were jocks, had the academic people, and I, I wanted to be friends with all of them. And it, it seems that, that to bring it to today, it seems that everybody's divided and everybody's trying to solidify their piece of the pie for power, not for solidifying, you know, the nation as a whole, which is everybody is just about themselves at this time. Everybody's being exclusionary rather than inclusion. Music. Come back to music. That's a, you know, music and love are the only universal languages that we have in any culture, anywhere you go, you know, if, you know from Siberia to Africa, you go down and somebody plays music, you know, it's either good music or bad music, but it, nonetheless, it's music and people will come together at that point. Our lives are often filled with worry and chaos as the media propagates one negative story after another, bringing divide and tension within topics such as politics, religion, and race relations. These stories fuel hatred and confusion while people continue to live in fear. Yet through all this negative energy, many are delivering messages of wisdom and hope, encouraging positive change, and that's something I'm aiming to do. My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm hopeful for our future, but we must be the change and not be a spectator in life. 
looking from the outside in. For as long as I could remember, I've been fascinated by people's stories. Stories speak to us, and since the beginning of time, the human race has prospered by passing down wisdom told through the essence of story. It's a way for people to aspire to become the hero they know they could be, seeing their higher self through the wisdom of others. What started out as a hobby has quickly turned into my life mission, and as I deliver a new guest each Sunday, I'll aim to prompt the questions you may be thinking, and through the power of listening, I'll allow the guest to speak and articulate their points of view in order to give you the headspace you need to realize your own hero's journey. We are one race. We are one people. Help spread the word about American Real, and together, let's make great stories go viral to inspire, enlighten, and empower those we love and the masses we hope to reach. Welcome to episode 107 of American Real, where this week we sit down with musician Mo Reese Taylor. When I think back to my youth, there are some people who stand out as always being there, and Reese is certainly one of those special people. Today's guest takes us back to the good old days and tells us how he got his start in music by sneaking into his older brother's room to practice on his turntable equipment. I was able to sit down with an old friend and learn so much about him that I never knew, such as having a family full of competitors and the impact his mother made on his life. What I like most about Reese's story is that he's the kid who had a love for music from a young age and has been able to carry out his lifelong passion while passing on his musical talents to the next generation. So sit back and relax as I welcome the leader of the band, Mr. Mo Reese Taylor. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Mo Reese Taylor, musician, and I, as I like to say, voice of reason. Reese, <laughs> Reese, Mo Reese. Welcome to the show. Mo, Reese, Reese, it doesn't matter. You can call me anything you want, just not late for dinner. <laughs> What's great, Reese, is when, when I think about you, I think about my childhood. Ooh. Because you were always there. You were at the games. You were at the school. You're a little bit older than me, but, mm -hmm. but your presence has always been there. Oh, man, that, that means a lot. Thank you. Um, so what, what year did you graduate? 87. Okay, so 87, I was just starting to come back to work with the pep band, to work with, and we're talking Binghamton High, so uh, working with the pep band, working with the music program, um, and, but I, I was there for the, for the 86 ride, um, so just everything was happening back then. It was so much fun to uh, come back and be part of Binghamton High as it was still growing because 83 is when we all got together. And when did you graduate? I graduated 85. Okay, great. So you were a couple of years uh, ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about those days. Let's go back to those days. Um, I, wish, actually, I wish we really can. Uh, it wasn't a great, it was uh, a great time. Yeah. Um, life seemed to be simpler. Mm -hmm. um, people seem to be, I don't know, maybe it's just my perception, but 
More friendly, maybe? It, it, I, more friendly is definitely a way you can put it. It just seemed that uh, people knew that, you know, knew that, okay, we were supposed to get along with everybody instead of tear everybody apart. Uh, you know, not to, to, to go that political this early at least, but um, it, it just was... Uh, like me being a musician, I was friends with the Jacks. I was friends, you know, as you know, King Rice, Rick Coleman. These were all people that I grew up with and hung out with and knew. Uh, then we had musician, the musician side of it. Uh, you know, uh, Tony Cadillac, uh, which is uh, speaking of someone that you need to talk to, he is one, and and we can definitely great. Ooh, Would love but, that. But uh, just everybody. It, you know, even though we had the separated groups, we all had a, 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 a cohesive factor to everybody being in their cohesive group or in their separate groups, but knew that we kind of all had to depend on each other to be happy in this area. Yeah. And what was it like growing up for you? Um, always the goofball, always the one that uh, needed to make people smile and, and laugh and and be entertained through music or, uh, you know, at the, the radio was a big part of my life growing up because I, I grew up with uh, a radio person and we were the, the only family in our, in our kind of here and around uh, that had, uh, my brother had two turntables and a microphone. You know, he was a DJ, but my brother Dwayne was a DJ before me. And I used to sneak into his room, which his room was off limits to me, but he had the, he had the turntable, so I had to go in and learn to DJ, you know, by sneaking through and making tapes. And uh, my, my, uh, left the tape into the machine one day, and my brother had a fit about it, and my mom was like leave him alone. He's doing what he loves. And that kind of just grew into who I am today, being a, a DJ, being a musician, being an entertainer. How old were you at that point when you snuck into your bedroom? I, I was uh, 13, going into 14. And then that's when at 14 to 15, I bought my own equipment and was DJing parties literally about 200 yards from here at the Urban League Teen Center. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was, once again, it was an incredible time. And take us back to how you became uh, involved with music, where you actually began to play instruments. Mm -hmm. how, how young were you at that point? That was uh, Calvin Coolidge, fifth grade, and I still have this, uh, this nervous habit. Uh, if I'm really nervous about and I'm purposely not, so I have this nervous habit as a kid, uh, that you know, people you see people like just tap on their desk like this, trying to you know collect thoughts. My tapping on desk was so uh, fifth grade, Mr. LaForce. I'm about to bomb a test. You know, didn't study um, and started tapping, and it's not conscious to me when it happens. I just tap. And all of a sudden, and Mr. LaForce at the time was the biggest human being, tallest, that I've known. He's probably about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, I feel this hand come across my chest. Oh, sorry about that. 
I feel this hand come across my chest, and he literally dragged me to Mr. Black, which was our drum teacher at the at uh, Coolidge uh, Elementary School. Could you please teach him? He's driving me crazy. And uh, that started off playing drums and did that into the middle of seventh grade. And uh, so now I'm at East Junior. And, you know, all the different elementary schools are coming together and we're like, now we have a bunch of people. And uh, my thing about drums, have you ever seen a movie Drumline? No. Drumline was uh, part of the movie. Uh, Nick Cannon was the actor that played the main character. He uh, had lied and said that he could read music when all he can do is watch your hands and mimic what you're doing with that. And that's and and as I'm looking at somebody play drums and in the movie his hands slow down and he's watching stick for stick how his hand how his hands are moving and that's what I was able to do at a young age and you know knew a little bit about reading music but I was a better mimicker uh, I was a better person that can mimic. And so that that did well for me until seventh grade, and then you're, I'm dealing with people that actually play, you know, can read music, can, uh, you know, knew all the stickings. So, so our uh, teacher, Mr. Hunkovic, God rest his soul, says to me, okay, you can play finger cymbals or triangle in, in the drum section, or we need horn players. So uh, sat down with the tuba, sat down with the trumpet, sat down with the baritone, and took, uh, somehow a trombone was given to me and was able, right from the moment that I picked it up, played uh, 25, 6, or 4, a Chicago song. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, And the rest, as they say, is history. Okay, so I have a hard time understanding that because music's been difficult mm -hmm. for me. I've tried to play guitar. We had an organ in the house mm -hmm. growing up, so I played a little bit by ear, as you know, mm -hmm. as you're saying. Mm -hmm. But um, did you read music at that point, or was it? Uh, well, with drums, I was reading music, but kind of at a rudimentary. Excuse the pun. Drums rudiments. Uh, I was reading it at a very uh, slow level, but. Once again, uh, as, you know, three drummers are standing next to, you know, in a row, they're playing their lesson, and for whatever excuse, you know, I would drop a stick and look down and listen to what they're playing and be able to then play what they played. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Eventually, did you? It, it, now I'm able to read music mm -hmm. and, and just, um, and, uh, drum music is kind of hard because it's all just rhythm, um, but now playing trombone and piano and the other instruments that I play, I'm able to read music and able to, uh, you know, pretty much at a, if you're going to go beginner, intermediate, professional level, I can hang in a high intermediate level uh, of music, especially because I'm playing with a lot of different groups. Some groups, no music. Uh, jazz bands, you, that's all you play is, is music. Wow. It's just fascinating to me that, mm -hmm. um, number one, you picked it up mm -hmm. from an early age. You just It was in you. Mm -hmm. um, but then it seems almost more challenging to have to, to learn something when you already 
know, you know, sure. I, I guess by ear or, or right. how do you say, um, what, what's the phrase for the drums you, you mentioned? Uh, just pick, uh, mimicking. Mimicking, yes. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's uh, for, for trombone, and it's, I was able to, I had to start reading music right from the beginning because that's, okay. you, you can't, uh, really can't survive in, uh, okay, we're going back to middle school. You can't really mimic a, a horn because uh, you're playing in a section. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it, it, and it's so crucial the timing it, yeah, of all that. Yep. yep. You have to you have to play with the person that's next to you and and all around you. You have to play as as I tell the students that I deal with now that you have to listen in the front, behind, and on the sides because you have to blend in. So you, you can't fake that, or it's very hard to fake that. There are people that can do it. I'm, I'm just not one of them. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is mm -hmm. what I love about podcasting, mm -hmm. what I love about this, is that here you are, a person that's been in my life or someone that I've known my entire life, but we've never sat down to have a conversation. No, and, right? and what's, what's even more freaky is that your circle was my circle. Yes. We just never yes. had connected like this. And it just goes to show you that um, until you actually reach out, whether it's a podcast or, or just reaching out to a friend for coffee, mm -hmm. until you take that action, that can never happen. So, number one, I know it's taken us over a year to, 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 for the timing to sit down, so I'm grateful and, mm -hmm. and thankful for doing that. But mm -hmm. even more so, I'm really looking forward to learning more about you, mm -hmm. someone I've known my entire life. That's, uh, I mean, to, to know that we're talking 35, you know, 40 years, you know, into the future. Who, who would ever, and who would ever know that it would take that long to get together and to, and to you know, you have the life that you have lived to, you know, lived to this point, And I've, you know, done everything that I can you know, musically and entertainment-wise, radio-wise, and just the, the fact that our past comes to this minute. You it's know, awesome. It's really, yeah, it's yeah. really, it's kind of, uh, uh, not nervous, but just awe-inspiring. Yes, that, yeah. You know, it's, it's a perfect example of, you know, be careful of who you talk to and how you talk to because you would, you know, who knows, someday you'd be talking to that person. Right. And, and now we get to share your story to the world, which goes well beyond our immediate area. And, and that's what I, I I'm, I'm really want to dive into your past, your uh, not so dif uh, distant uh, past, and, and then I want to know what's happening mm -hmm. with you in the future. So let's, mm -hmm. let's get into it now. Okay. So your mom must have been just proud. So you have musicians in the house. Now you're playing the, the, the trombone. Well, uh, how <laughs> my, my household is I sit back and try to think about and try to grasp what my mom must have been going through. It's, it starts off with uh, uh, I, I have three brothers, two sisters. My oldest brother, Greg, uh, could have been a pro baseball player, but um, a little too happy, a little too much living in the in the seventies, and 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 you know, frankly, married family, so that kind of derails 
the, the, the visions of grandeur that you would have at the time just because, okay, I'm going to start a family. I'm married now, so I'll move to this direction. Then comes the second brother, my brother Billy, a uh, semi-pro tennis player, goes to Niagara University in the early 70s on a tennis scholarship. Wow. The, the, the peculiar thing about uh, Billy and how our family came up through in Binghamton, we did a lot of things that black families didn't do. Uh, we all we all skied. We all played golf. We all, uh, you know, he played tennis on a semi-pro level, but everybody, uh, all of the brothers in the family can play decent game of tennis. Um, you know, on, on ski slopes, if you see another black family back then in the 70s, it was a family reunion, even right. though we didn't know the family. So uh, we just uh, just tried to be all uh, all the just... We just tried to be comfortable in every situation that was presented to us. So getting back to uh, Billy being a, a semi-pro uh, tennis player, uh, one of the best in the area and, you know, regionally and collegiately one of the best. Then here comes my brother Dwayne, which is five years older than me. Um, the, the beauty of my, my brother Dwayne is that he uh, wasn't the model citizen when he was a kid. Um, he, you know, he, he wasn't. He, you know, he wasn't a thug, but he just, uh, just, you know, didn't have the the foresight that would happen a couple of years, uh, you know, in his early teens. And I, the, the only way that I can explain it is he looked up into the sky and saw the moon and stars and said, okay, I want to be up there. And in a, in a matter of what seems, uh, and, and I'm a kid watching this, uh, you know, Star Trek comes on. So he says, that's what I want to do. I want to be an astronaut. And and it, it was like they turned off a, a, or turned on a light switch and he's, uh, one, he went to North High. He's uh, one of the best athletes in North High. He was a, a swimmer. That's another thing, you know, not too many. Uh, so, but he, you know, uh, is, is breaking records in the swimming pool at East Junior then, but, you know, swimming for North. Uh, he's a uh, all, you know, all area football player. Um, so now he's a, a junior and it, these are the the things that just I just remember, you know. I remember our congressman uh, or assemblyman Matt McHugh. I think it, I remember the name. McHugh is definitely the last name. Um, he's in, in in our living room congratulating my brother because he's now going to go to the Air Force Academy. Now you go back to a, just a few couple years ago. This is not going to happen. We're not sure where you're going to go. But, you, you know, my brother's going to the Air Force Academy to play football and to become a jet pilot. And that's what, you know, that's just the, the power of you can whatever, truly whatever you want to do, you can do it. You just have to put in the time and do the work. And how important was it for you as a kid to, to watch your older brothers and especially your, your Dwayne, who was yeah. closest to you, mm -hmm. 
go through that? That, that must have really... It, it, it was uh, truly remarkable, and it created a problem because I, growing up, wanted to be my brother. He had the, he had the coolest clothes. He had the, you know, uh, football. And what had happened, how I became more interested in music is because I realized that I wasn't going to be able to be, you know, even my brother, uh, going back to my brother Billy that went to, uh, well, Seton now was Catholic Central. He played football there. And it just, it wasn't going to happen for me. Sports it, on that kind of competitive level wasn't going to happen. So uh, in watching Dwayne go through what he's going through in, in his growth as a uh, as a, a person uh, a, a person of in, that's into sports and now as you know uh, high academics because he's going to fly jets he wants to be an astronaut so what that gave me is my kind of how to uh, look at something and try to seize it and I, I wanted to be a musician I, I realized that. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be the, the I'm not going to be Dwayne on the football field. I'm not going to be Billy in the tennis and, and all that. And and then uh, later in life, Billy took up martial arts. So um, and is a world champion at that. Wow. So once again, going back to your original question, I I just had to try to fit where I was going to where, where my path was going to be. Yeah. How influential was your mom in your life? Okay, um, my my mom gave uh, myself and the family the uh, the notion of service and how to. Uh, she was the director of the Urban League Teen Center. Now, how that fits first? Uh, okay, let's go into my life. Um, I was DJing parties at the Broome County Urban League Teen Center at 14 years old. I had, there was an office there that wasn't being used. I had went, I had to go to my mom and say, hey mom, um, rather than to uh, rattle all of the paint at home, there's this office space here that if you can give me, you know, from let's say six o'clock to eight o'clock when the teen center closed, I can go in there and practice and, you know, keep it down, you know, keep the volume down. But I was able to, I had this ability to go and like someone would practice basketball, shooting foul shots, shooting shots, dribbling. I was able to go into this office space with all my music there, all of the albums uh, that, yeah, we used albums back then. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and just practice like mm. anybody else would. So um, that was my mom's doing. My my mom, before working at the Urban League, was one of the, the directors at the at Head Start, which now we're talking a couple of hundred yards that way. Um, my first job was a babysitter for the for the Head Start uh, because parents would come in for meetings at, in the evening, and they would leave their kids in a, in a big room. And I, that was my first job, being a babysitter. Then my second job, other than uh, DJing, was um, I was the, the maintenance person for the Broome County Urban League until I was 20 years old. So 
my mom gave me the tools to learn discipline, to, to make a paycheck, uh, a legitimate paycheck, rather than she could have just easily said, okay, go clean the, you know, go pick up the garbage in the bathroom. Here's, you know, here, you know, slide it under the table. No, I had, uh, I had a paycheck that my mom knew how much I was getting paid, knew how much I had to contribute to the household, um, knew how much I had to buy equipment and that kind of thing. So my mom, for, for everybody in our family, was the, the person of discipline, you know, knew. And it wasn't, a, a, mom was strong. Um, and, you know, to, to even backtrack a little further, my mother and father had, uh, I come from a single family, uh, single parent family that my, when I was six years old, my, my mother and father were no longer together. However, my father was still in the picture. He was a couple hundred yards this way. And I was, I had access to my father at any given time, but my mom is who I lived with. And uh, she was the one that um, you can't do this until the dishes are done. You can't do this until your homework is done. Even though I was a horrible student, that's the, you know, that's the, the, the long and short of it when it came to school. Horrible student, but teachers loved me because I was a fun-loving guy. I tried not to be disruptive, but, you know, we, I had fun, you know, in, in school. And it, and it wasn't... A, a fun like partying. Uh, it was a fun that I honestly enjoyed being with the other students that was at our school. Uh, so my mom and, and just was the, 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 the discipline and how to do things the right way. That's, that's actually how I could describe mm -hmm. it more than anything. My mom showed the family how to do things right when and it was a matter of you didn't want to uh, you didn't want to disappoint mom um because in it, in it you know it wasn't a heavy-handed discipline thing but just that look of you know you just didn't want that what i love about the story is that it sounds like she allowed each one of you to do whatever your passion was mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for she had to find it but then whether it was tennis or skiing or football or music mm -hmm. she let you do what you wanted to do it's, and knew that um okay here here's a here's a for example when uh i was in in ninth grade at north high i totally totally just horrible report card just because i was having too much fun being with my friends and not doing my schoolwork and uh, so, how was my mother going to discipline me? She says, okay, you can't play music. You can't, we're going to pull you out of band. And saw just how miserable I was, you know, for the, for the couple of weeks. And then she's like, okay, I can't take that away from him because that's his, that's his love. That, that, that would, you know, that would be more dangerous to, right. you know, let alone me, but all of us. So it was, you know, uh, being grounded. You know, it seemed like I was more, more grounded than I was able to go and do things. But she, she had the foresight to, okay, let me not take music away from him, but everything else around him needs to, you know, 
be checked and be looked at and and how to uh how to you know not once again not take his music away but he needs discipline and this is how she did it by grounding and i couldn't i couldn't you know go to fairview park and couldn't you know in the summertime go in the pool and at fairview park just she she was very creative on how to deal with me how about sports i mm -hmm. know uh your brothers played sports mm -hmm. um was your mom a sports fan? How was it in the household? M mom was the ultimate sports fan, and I mean ultimate sports fan. And the reason I can say this is because uh, one morning, uh, probably this happened about 4, 4.30 in the morning, dead, dead asleep, and all of a sudden I hear screaming from her bedroom. So I get up. And, and as I'm getting closer, I'm, I can hear, you're tacking wrong. You're tacking wrong. She's watching the America's Cup. <laughs> She's watching a yacht race, yelling at these, these people that they're running their, their sailing wrong. So That's stemming funny. from that, I'm like, okay, you are the ultimate sports fan. So it didn't matter what sport it was. No, it didn't. It truly didn't. Uh, she, she, basketball was her, basketball and football was her number one. But, um, you know, come an important game in hockey, she'd watch that. Uh, it, just any sport that was on, she was on top of it, watching it all the time. And do you think that led to the competitiveness of you with your music, your brothers with their sports. Absolutely. Because of her tenacity? A absolutely. That's, that's a perfect way to put it. That's what, uh, because once again, I knew I was not going to be world class at sports. I was always, you know, I, I can hang on the court, you know, you know either, either a tennis court or playing football with my friends. I can hang, but I knew that I wasn't going to be Billy. I wasn't going to be Greg. I wasn't going to be Dwayne. So... Um, that that drive that she's given me, that she gave to all of us to, you know, whatever you're doing at the time, be it, you know, playing on a B-flat scale or, you know, or, or, or catching the winning uh, pass from the North and Central games as Dwayne would, whatever it was, be the best at it. Yeah. What are some of your most favorite moments of being a kid, what do you remember? Okay, as, as uh, sticking out, uh, a couple of things. Now, here's how uh, the 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 music side t attaches to the sports side. My brother, going back to Dwayne, uh, his final game North Central in November or late October of 1979. Um, I'm. I'm the ball boy. I'm the well, no, excuse me. I'm the manager, and uh, so I'm a ball boy. And so my job, and once again, it comes back to having jobs. Uh, make sure that it, you know, just like the Water Boy, the Adam Sandler movie, to make sure everything is set for the second half when the team comes out. So I'm doing my thing, and I'm listening to uh, Al Thompson with the North High marching band playing in the stands. And um, so band is swinging, playing, uh, name, matter of fact, the name of the song that they were playing at the time is Opus One. This is uh, Benny Goodman's song, Swing, Hard. 
And I'm, I'm listening to it, and I'm starting to, you know, do my work, but dancing around a little bit. So Mr. Baxter, which I know that's sure. a name that you, he's the PA announcer for North High for football. He, he knew that I was a dancer. So he says, go ahead, go ahead, Reese, dance. And, and just went into this whole, uh, you know, my thing was going back to, to what's happening, rerun from happy days. Um, you know, short little chunky kid that can move, do the splits and everything. <laughs> That's great. So song gets done, end up in a split, crowd goes bananas. You know, North High, the old field with the wooden bleachers, not what they have now, which is nice. The nice, you know, aluminum bleachers. No, we went back a ways. So uh, they go crazy. Game starts, and they're announcing the people, you know, the seniors, and then the, the managers slash ball boys. And so they get to my name, and the crowd goes crazy because wow. of what just happened before. Now, mind you, I'm standing next to my brother that it's his senior game. It's his <laughs> final game. And He's the one that's I, supposed to be in yeah, the spotlight. Yeah, <laughs> and I steal his thunder, and, but he didn't know what happened. Yeah. So... After the game, we're driving home, and Dwayne says to my mom, says just in the car, why did they cheer so loud for, for Reese? And my mom had to tell him, yeah, he, uh, at, ha at halftime of your game when you're in the locker room, stole the show. And, uh, and he just like... I can't have that moment. My my <laughs> moment. It has to be him. Did they win the game? They won the game. Oh, that's uh, great. It, I think they won it pretty seriously, like in the 30s or 40s against like 13. I can look that up because it's documented. But that, that his last North and Central, and North was incredible at that time. Uh, and it, the, the funny thing about Dwayne is his, uh, I want to say it's 45th, uh, high school reunion will happen uh, next week, which is the July fourth weekend, July fifth, sixth, and seventh. And if I, and unfortunately, I have to work July fest, or I could go to his reunion, and it would be like my reunion because uh, I got excused from uh, from uh, Calvin Coolidge and East Junior to do uh, like if they had a uh, pep rally. Uh, I would get excused to go to North High and be part of that. So, you know, his his people are my people. Right, right. But it's important. Those those moments, those momentous moments in life can mm -hmm. affect us positively or negatively. And mm -hmm. that must have boosted your confidence that day. It, it was a matter of that, uh, once again, I had to do something and try to do something great with music, even though... Uh, music and sports uh, throughout my life has collided together, you know, wonderfully. But um, so, you know, going through um, directing the going back to one uh, when my career, high school career at Binghamton High was done. A couple years later, I would go back to help out with the marching band program, to help out with the pep, then help out with the pep band, then run the pep band for a few years, and then um, then stemming from that, I start PA announcing, and now I'm at BU, and once again, it all 
came full circle. I'm at Binghamton University, Division One, doing uh, you know America East playoff games for the different sports there. With the special, my my sport to do there is softball. So I you know have PA announced for a couple of championships for America East. Oh, that's and wonderful. It's just. You know, all all throughout life, music and sports just collided with you. Yeah. And you talked about your mom instilling in you being of service. Mm-hmm. And did you mean actually helping, contributing, giving back, whether it was when you were real little babysitting, and mm-hmm. getting paid for that? But mm-hmm. as you got older, you, I always remember you as a mentor to those coming through with music. And I, I admired that. I'm like, that wow. came... That came through mom. That came yeah. to um, uh, my mom uh, at the at the teen center required the students to bring in their report cards. So, uh, so uh, stemming from that, if you needed help with, let's say you needed help with algebra or whatever, it, you my mom would seek out somebody at Binghamton University or Harper College at that time to come in and work with you. Um, you know, upstairs in the Urban League, they had uh, study time. I mean, this was all, this is all Viola Pines doing yeah. that um, you, you, you had to make, even though I was a knucklehead student, you know, the people around, uh, you know, couldn't be. Yeah. What about motorcycles? How does that play into the picture? It, it starts with mom was the original motorcycle mama. <laughs> she she uh, started off with scooters. Uh, uh, started off with a, a Honda Elite 80 uh, that would go 40 miles an hour. And back then, if your bike went 40 miles an hour, it was classified as a motorcycle. So my brother, myself, and a few other friends got their licenses on, on scooters. And, you know, I don't know how, how it's now, but I wouldn't advise that. I would advise right. getting, getting your motorcycle license on an actual motorcycle. So my mom went from an 80 to uh, a Honda Elite 150, then she went to a 250. The 250 went 70 miles an hour. And from that, we have family in Detroit. My mom on a Honda Elite 250, a couple of trips to Detroit, a couple of trips to Buffalo, wow. went to Syracuse, went, uh, went down south one time. And then she you know, graduated to a Honda Shadow 750. And um, unfortunately, a little too much bike for her. She ended up crashing on that. It didn't didn't hurt, you know, what hurt her elbow and her shoulder, but it wasn't, you know, catastrophic. But that that's when she was like, okay, I'm a little older now. That you know, let me back up off of uh, motorcycles. Fast forward. So I've always been interested in motorcycles, you know, throughout the years, and had said one day I'm going to have a motorcycle. Last year was that time. I now have uh, a 1985 Goldwing that uh, the person that had it before me decked it out out military. All all around the bike, there's military stickers. um, And uh, I kept that because uh, Dwayne going in the Air Force, my father was uh, Army. So in the front of it, I have two stickers that say, uh, son of an army, uh, some, son of somebody, uh, son of uh, uh, an army, 
you know, person and brother of an Air Force oh, that's uh, great. person. So the, the bike is a, a tribute, one, to military, but two, and most importantly, to my mother. How often do you ride? As much as, as, much as the Binghamton weather lets me. <laughs> um, last year, it rained so much. I only was out probably a good maybe 15 times because I bought the bike in the middle of the summer. This year, I've been out quite a bit. Matter of fact, when this is over, I'm going on the bike. Wow. <laughs> so let's shift gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, we just launched our 100th episode. Mm-hmm and uh, been doing this now for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. But we have something in common because I know over the last couple of years for you, you lost over 100 pounds. Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, I've been doing what's called keto, which is a ketosis uh, diet and uh, low carbs, if any, and high protein and fat. And it basically changes your body rather than using glucose as its fuel system. It then changed, it looks around and says, okay, you're, you're starving me here. Let me find, oh, you have a bunch of fat right there. That's what I can use for my fuel. So lost uh, in the last year, which almost to the date has been a year, uh, had lost 90 pounds. And then in the, the year before was the, when I uh, got weighed, so I know my weight. And I won't, I won't grace you with the weight. But uh, it's a uh, hundred and five awesome. pounds from there. Congratulations, yeah. Reese. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. How are you feeling? Um, you know, and I would advise anybody to to seek out how you're going to lose weight because there's many different ways to do it, especially when you're uh, as as big as I am. The first thing that you'll notice that you're the the stress on your knees mm -hmm. is is less. Then you're able to, you know the. I was able to just say, okay, I'm going to go out and walk the dog and, you know, take a, a long loop around the, the neighborhood. Um, even getting on and off a bike, I, I have a bike now that I uh, go out riding every now and then, uh, but getting on and off the motorcycle is a lot easier now. Uh, just life in general is, is just less stress on your body, uh, was borderline diabetic, that's no longer, I was able to, you know, get rid of that, uh, the, that medicine and just able to do more, you know, able to enjoy things more. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be one of the people because I hated when it was done to me that basically says, you know, you should lose weight and, and, you know, I'm not going to browbeat somebody about it. I'm just the living proof of if you want to do it and you want to, you know, if you set your mind to it, you're able to find your path to lose weight and it, it the the joys and the the benefits far outweigh and the joys and the benefits even health wise and away from health wise far outweighs uh just you know continuing on whatever path you're to either get bigger or stay as big as you are it's it's truly remarkable to uh be able to enjoy and I'm I'm only halfway there I my goal is to lose 200 and maybe and the the weight loss is slowed down now I I fluctuate uh from uh from a month uh, I fluctuate to either five pounds to gain five pounds or to lose 10 so it's always a 10 pound fluctuation 
And what happens is I will stay stagnant for, you know, two or three weeks. Then all of a sudden, I'll, they call it whooshing, that you'll all of a sudden just lose a bunch of weight very hmm. quickly. And then, you, it, so the 100 pounds, it, it stays at that level. But, um, you know, a couple months ago, it was staying at like 90 pounds. And then it, it goes, fluctuates between the 100 pounds. And I'm hoping that it will fluctuate between the 110 pounds. Wow. It's just, I just want to keep going. Well, if you're in agreement, I'd love to have you back after that 200 mark so we okay. can talk about that. Absolutely. Um, because it is quite, you know, I'm sure it's very difficult, not only physically, but mentally to be able to do it, right? How do you get in the, how do you get in the mindset for it? Is it once you get in the, in, in the flow, then? For, for, uh, for me, it was a matter of, okay, I went in the beginning, I went two months. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay, you know, I'm not going to do, uh, I'm not going to eat anything bad, you know, ever again. And then you start reading. It's like your mind will start to play tricks on you that you have to give yourself, you, you know, you can't, they you can deprive you. Day or something. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what it, mm -hmm. you can't, you can deprive your body uh, whatever nutrition to, you know, as you're going through your weight, but you can't deprive your mind. Your mind needs satisfaction. So once a month, we have a cheat day. Once and, a month. Yeah, once a month. And, and, and even with that, we, we have to play around with it a bit because uh, we had grad, grad parties, um, you know, that, last, yep, you know, the last weeks. couple of days. Yep, yep, yep. And we know that we can't, we can't say, okay, we need a complete keto-friendly meal that, you know, but, but with that, you go to grad parties, everybody's going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. We can eat hamburgers and hot dogs just without the bun. Right. Um, you I know, see. everybody's going to have chicken So that's speedies. what you do now. That's exactly. Okay. You know, we're able to uh, go to our favorite restaurants uh, and eat what we want, just know that we have to make allowances. Like, um, you know, we can have the, our artichoke dip, with the cheese dip, but instead of using the chips, we use uh, uh, celery sticks. Mm. It's still, you know, just yep. there's a, a lot. Jeff Goldblum said in, in uh, Jurassic Park, always got to find a way. That's right. <laughs> or that's something right. To that. Yes, so, yes. Yep. Well, that's really, really impressive. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, when, when people lose this amount of weight, and I've, mm -hmm. I've had a couple of folks on, uh, Louis G being another guy. Absolutely. And, um, he, I'm just so he's been my muse. Really? He's been the one that if there was ever, uh, Louis did it by gastric bypass. And, um, and I was, he was one of my first really close friends that had lost that kind of weight. And so he was the one that I talked to about, Okay, uh, I, gastric bypass was on the horizon because my my doctor, you know, knew that I had to lose weight, and the the only thing about doing it gastric gastric bypass wise, you're doing it very quickly, mm -hmm. and for some people that doesn't work out. Some people's system can't you know handle can't handle that kind of shock. Um, I just knew how I wanted to do it is to do it slow and very steady. And um, coming back to, uh, once again, going back to sports, I'm now at the point that I feel that I want to get back into martial arts. Great. 
So uh, that's what uh, my, my, my brother Billy was a world champion martial artist. I had taught at the, we had three schools in the area. I, I taught at the three schools. Um, I got, you know, my second degree black belt back wow. then. And now, uh, now I feel that I'm in a position to go back to, uh, you know, being, a, you know, a competitor um, okay. rather than just being a teacher and a coach. Awesome. So, Reese, let's talk about the relationships that you have built over mm -hmm. the years because of your music. Well, um, it, it kind of, uh, the relationships, you know, I have friends from grade school that in band that we still talk to and communicate. But the, the real relationship started when Binghamton North and Binghamton Central combined and, uh, Stemming from that, we have Tony Cadillac, which we call our godfather because he was the first one uh, of the the group of uh, jazz band students that went out and did a ma did major things. He's playing uh, on Broadway at Beetlejuice. Uh, currently, play for Frozen. Played uh, the. If you listen to the radio and there's a horn part on the radio, you, you know, play with Michael Jackson play with Michael McDonald, play just everybody. Um, and he was the kind of the first one out of Binghamton to, to get to that level. And uh, my good friend, Steve Davis, trombone player, is currently in Europe playing with Chick Corea. Uh, Dina DeRose, piano player, uh, currently in Europe teaching, it's not Switzerland, Austria. So our... You know, these, my friends in high school, um, you know, Tom Dempsey is playing, uh, is teaching at Rutgers, or at last I knew he is, he's yes. all over the place. Chris Jensen plays with Dickie Betts. Um, just so many friends doing amazing things, and I can pick up my phone right now, and just, uh, Tony, Tony, for instance, I just, you know, dude, was just thinking about you, was wondering what's going on. Uh, I'm about to go play, you know, Tony's telling me uh, the FedEx Cup theme. Oh, my gosh. The golf theme. Yeah, I'm about to do that recording session. And then I have Beetlejuice later. And just the, Isn't that wonderful? The, yeah, it's, it's truly remarkable that they're doing uh, just major things out in the world. And then when, when we all get together, which uh, we'll, we'll have a, a jazz show uh, in December, uh, at uh, at a place downtown that they'll all get together and we do it. We try to do it every year that all these, all the, you know, the the greats uh, that came out of this area get together and just have some, you know, they play uh, what's called the head of a song, which is the melody of a song, and then they improvise. So then you get to hear how they contribute to the world. So... Um, and for some reason, they keep asking me to <laughs> be a part of this. And, and, you know, I get into discussions with them of how I should have went to college. I should have, you know, continued with the music in college and become an educator and, and you, know, do, you know, do what you guys do. And they said, no, no, somebody had to stay home and somebody had to make sure things are carrying on at home um, and, you know, 
you know, Reese, you were the one that yeah. needed to do it. So wow. I, I take great pride that I stay here in Binghamton, that I direct the pep band at Binghamton University, that I go back every now and then and play with the high schools, play with Vestal High School, and just try to continue music in our area. Oh, no, it, it gives me the chills because I think about what if you weren't here? What if you weren't here? Yeah. Who, would, who would play that role? So. There are so many relationships that uh, as, as I think about, okay, let's say, you know, Maurice Taylor went to school, went to Howard University because that's where I was headed, um, got my degree, went to wherever, you know, how would Binghamton University, how would, you know, how would uh, somebody directing the pep band, how would... You know, I, I assistant direct the pet, well, unofficial, official assistant direct the, the jazz ensemble. So there are plenty of relationships that I made there. And how would all of the, you literally will sit back and say every single thing in your life would be different. Yeah. And how would it be different? Would it be positive? Would it be negative? Would you just be kind of uh, stagnant? The other thing I think about if I went on to be a, uh, went on and got my music education, and I, I would be thinking of retirement at this time. And just the, the whole, it, it's mind-numbing of to, to just sit back, at, you know, as we're talking about Tony, uh, Anthony Benelli, uh, meditation, that's, you know, just sitting back quietly and going over your life. What, you know, what relationship would you have? You know, uh, I you know, I have a dog, Cole, you know, that he wouldn't be there. At the, you know, right. how would I, you know, compensate from not, you know, you know, not being able to fish as much as I like to fish and just everything in your life would be different. And that's actually a, a good exercise to kind of ground yourself and center yourself of to think about the steps in your life that you've taken. If you took a left turn instead of a right turn somewhere where would, would where would you be what would what would be your contribution to the world and when you do that exercise does regret play into it do you, do you ever have regrets that's or? the only regret that i have in my life is that um that i didn't continue my music education and the and the reason that it's regret is because being in this area i kind of uh, because I don't, I, I, you know, I don't have that musical education. I, I'm not a music teacher in school, and my life would be, you know, very steady. Um, you know, I knew that um, Monday through Friday, uh, from 7:30 to 3:30, I would be teaching, and that would be your, you know, you would be uh, teaching something different, you know, working on different pieces of music. However it would be different and that's the only regret that i really have in my life is is that the the stability wouldn't you know it would not be it wouldn't be there so for young kids who might be listening to this who are mm -hmm. thinking about a career in music and maybe they're at, at that point where they're getting ready to go into college or whatnot mm -hmm. what what advice do you have um well let's let's go back a little further than come to that point um M music, it, less video game, more music, uh, and and the, you know, the, um, 
it's it's tough. You don't want to force your kids to do anything because they'll they'll eventually rebel against you if you force them to sit down and play the piano, force them to sit down and play drums or anything. You got to make sure that you are taking your kids to concerts so you can, you know, especially in the beginning when they're playing, you know, uh, uh, you know, a kid that plays drums, take them to go see live music. And we have, and that's the one beauty of the Binghamton area. There is a ton of live music in many different styles, uh, anywhere from folk music to jazz to classical to you name it, hard rock. Uh, just everything is in this area, and so it's that's, important for the young kids to see visually it, it, see to that, to see that okay, it. you sit down and you know you teach a kid just to play a simple beat, boom, cat on drum, boom, cat, boom, cat, to take that kid to see you know the band Odd Man Out, Reckless Marcy, any of the bands that are you know uh, you know so many bands, and I, and I apologize that I'm I'm leaving out. You know my friends' bands, but uh, those are the bands that just I, I just saw uh, PA announced for a Strawberry Fest in uh, in Owego, and Reckless Marcy was playing. So and and let alone these guys are world class musicians, and once again, you know a lot of these bands in this area have these same world class musicians. They are just the world's nicest guys. Mm-hmm. They, you can go up to them, you can talk to them, you can pick their brain. Um, you, you have music, music educators in this area. You have Mike Carbone, saxophone player that is the director of jazz studies at, at Binghamton University. He plays with Splash. At any time when they're off stage, you can go up to Mike and talk to him. And because he's been a music educator since the 80s, you know, he's one of the first music educators that I, you know, studied uh, alongside with at uh, Summer Jazz Camp. And, you know, his first, I want to say his first years here was either 80 or 81. That was when I was just learning to play jazz on trombone. So any of these music educators that you see or any of the musicians, the vast majority of them are great people that realize, okay, we got to continue music into this area. We got to make sure that, you know, even, you know, kicking and screaming, the kids got to be pulled through, um, you know, and, and once again, and believe me, I'm a gamer. I know how much fun it is to, 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 put, to you know, kind of, you know, lose your mind in a, in a, in a game. But, you know, just music is, is in dire need of kids that start playing, and retain playing throughout their musical career and our musical uh, school then career and just realize that in this area you can always find a band to play yeah what's about to happen um, Chris Weber which is the the music educator from uh, East uh, from uh, Chris Weber what's about to happen is Chris Weber, which is the Union Endicott music director, when I was coming through school, um, has a summer um, concert band that you, you don't have to audition. You just have to love music and, and have a, a level of proficiency at your instrument. So 
you have a let's say you have a saxophone in your closet that you it's been there for 10 years but you you know you have the music in your soul you can go pick that up and go play with this group that's about to happen in in Endicott at uh we play at Enjoy Golf Course and we play at the pavilion in uh the the park Satoma Field is attached to the park in Endicott that you know for 6 weeks you know we'll be playing there so it, just know that we got to get youth back into music because it's it's uh it, it's not where it needs to be and it's definitely not where it used to be and for parents and students i, I guess what you're saying too is don't be afraid to to reach out don't be afraid to ask for a mentor or or talk to someone <laughs> right reach out to, to a, yourself you know a absolutely i uh, this is one of the advantages of being the pep band director at bu is that i have a lot of parents that will come up to me and say hey this is my kid that i went to school with hey you know um I remember you at, at Binghamton High. This is my son, you know, Jimmy John or jo Joey John that plays trumpet. What can you tell the kid? And it's just, just play. Have fun with it. Um, know that, you know, you're, you'll have your music that you have to play in school, but go home and just pull out the trumpet and just play. Yeah. Don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be structured. It Just play. Just enjoy, you know, just enjoy music. Yeah. So how important is it for, again, there's people listening all over the world. Mm -hmm. If you're a musician, how important is it to be, be a mentor to, to the young generation? It's, it's crucial. It's not just important. It's, it's uh, crucial to the development of, of music as we know it. Um, sorry to sound so dire, but um, music can be created um, it, the, 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 the most fun conversations that I get into with people is they say, well, hip-hop music is not music. No, it's very much music. It's, it's more modern. It's, more, it's done more with computers now. But you still have to have knowledge of structure, of, of you know, how to put you know, phrases together. Um, so even with uh, the... the even with how computer music is uh, introduced, you still have to have some knowledge of, of, of music. So um, it's, it's crucial that, that kids, adults, you know, it's never too late to, to, to take up an instrument, um, to know that, uh, that you, you have to start somewhere. It is crucial. It's not just important. It is crucial for people like myself, people that uh, have the kid that will come up to them at any given performance and say, I want to do what you do. Give that kid your card. Say, keep in touch. Um, you, you know, for me, it's like, hey, listen, any basketball game that's going on at Binghamton, I'm the director. I'll be here. Come, come, talk. Go, go up there. Sit with the kids. So make yourself accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Especially that's, with social media today, it's, uh, yeah, it's that's, very easy to connect. Uh, with the the, the uh, thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, for creating Facebook, because through Facebook and through social media, as you know, Twitter and all that, I'm able to keep in contact with 
people far beyond my scope. Uh, for instance, not the, not the trombone that's here, but I have a trombone that I bought through the trombone player with Bruce Springsteen's band that I met through Tony Cadillac. Oh my gosh. So, and the, you know, that's, that just was not possible back in the day. Uh, I talked to Greg Boyer. Greg Boyer is not a familiar, is not a household name, but to trombone players, we all know who Greg Boyer is. Now, to, to kind of make the connection is, uh, I went to see Prince. Um, oddly enough, I just went to, um, my friend that took me to see Prince, his son just graduated from Union Endicott and was at his grad party yesterday. So he takes me to see Prince and we're sitting in front of the, 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 the horn section. Greg Boyer is the horn section, the, the, the trombone player with Prince. So go back to the hotel because it was in State College. Go back to the hotel and jump online and because I've known the name, but never put two and two together of why is this name familiar. So check out his Facebook page. He's the trombone player with Funkadelic mm. Parliament. So I've indirectly known this man all my life. Incredible. So just put out a, you know, a Facebook request. You know, and, and a little explanation that I was just at the print show, uh, sat right in front of you, and he writes back, he accepts, writes back, yeah, you were in front of me, you were grooving with the white shirt on. He remembered. He rem and that, that, when that kind of connection happens, yeah. that's why I will be a trombone player for life, because of all the connections that you can make. And, and to this day, once or twice a month, Hey Greg, what's going on? Where are you now? I'm I'm playing with uh, uh, you know this person in in Europe. This per we're on uh, our nation national tour. Um, it, it it really it just it, it, and even with that, he's an indirect mentor. Yes. Because I'm able to at any time reach out to him and um and and it, it's even more fulfilling when my question is trombone related and not just fanboy related right. and you know technical questions and and once again you reach out to these people they realize the power that they have and how they have to you know help people out to continue the music through because at the end of the day i i think people want to help others sure right? i mean we want sure. to help and, and look a lot of most of us are busy but we always can find time sure. to help sure. others and who they, are seeking it out. And a lot of people will just say, okay, you know, if you come up to them in a restaurant, okay, um, I'm kind of eating here, give me a little bit and we'll talk. And, and it's just, and uh, patience is a virtue, is not just a, not just a throw, a phrase that's just thrown out. Yeah. That really, in due time, people will help you and help whatever you, you know, whatever you need to whatever level you need yeah. because you're, you're talking then uh, if you're a serious trombone player that you're coming through you go to music school you, and now you're out of music school now the connection that you made with Greg Boyer at a Prince show that's now networking yeah. you know now okay I'm, I'm a professional player now as a student would say out of music school you know, I, I need to know how do you do what you do and who do I need to contact?
so important. Um, we're going to hear you play the trombone okay. in a little bit. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. But just a few more questions mm -hmm. before we let you go. And, and again, thank you so much for the time and the it's my pleasure get to know you better as a friend and, yeah. and share your story with all those who have known you or have not known you. So mm -hmm. um, we get a, an appreciation for everything that you've been through for, for your life. It's it's truly it it just. It, sorry to use the word mind-numbing again, but just the the circle that you went, you, that you go through, and my circle just were. Con you want to know what it was like? Your circle is here, my circle is here, and we just constantly yes. did this. Yep. And now it's now it's this. Yes, and I, that represents many many people. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people, you know. It and and there's again. I know you had expressed um, off camera. I think you have an interest in podcasting. Mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. love for you to ha to ha to start your own podcast, and I'd love to help you. Yeah, I, and that believe me, it, once again, connection, networking. Yeah. Yes, uh, I, I, you know, even on your page, you sit, so you want to start a podcast, yeah. and these are this is all information that I will need. I I have, um, you, you know, to talk about what the podcast was going to be about is about motorcycle riding to to a destination. And I started to, I, I have like all the connections on the bike and on my helmet and realized that, okay, I'm using my phone to turn on the different cameras and okay, I'm paying attention to the phone rather than paying attention to riding. My, so the, the first time in, in all the, the, all the phones, all the, or all the cameras still have the material in it of that first ride because I had to stop it immediately because I realized that I'm paying attention to things that I don't, you know, that you can't Put pay attention in danger. to. Yeah. We're all, not so much putting yourself in danger, but like, for instance, you're riding down the road and you know that if you look at something, that it's going to come, you know, like for instance, uh, let's say I'm, I'm riding in the, you know, on Colesville Road up by Gary Jupulit or wherever going out in that area that it is, or even better yet, let's say that you're riding on Brevere Street because I can take Brevere Street to get to where I live. So, but once you leave the city, it's all farmhouses and nice beautiful houses and if i look at something it's going to happen on the camera so i'm i'm riding and i look at something and then you want to look at the camera to make sure that you looked at the proper thing to get it on the frame and then i and and this actually is a, a true story of what made me realize i'm not ready to do this yet or not or, or i need somebody to show me how to do it you know so i'm not paying attention to you know because the phone is running the cameras that i, I have see. so um so i i realize okay i'm taking my eyes off the road to make sure that i'm framing properly and so i put everything away it, this and this was like one of the first uh or the second ride that i had this year that i had all the cameras attached to me so i said now nah, i'm not ready for this yet and it's it all sits in the box so, but you do want to pursue it. I do, absolutely. Um, and I think it's a great idea. Well, and, and what the premise is going to be is that I'm riding to somewhere, you know, within our region uh, to China to kind of showcase the area because 
you know, as much as we want to complain about the weather and complain about that there's it, the, 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 the funniest thing that somebody says, and I hear this all the time, there's nothing to do in Binghamton. Are you crazy? There's everything to do in Binghamton. And just like we're, you know, we deal with the, the students at, at Binghamton University, you know, they'll come, they'll leave. And that's kind of the first things. What do you do in this area? Well, first you get a speedy. <laughs> we got a lot of places in the area. That's your first, that's your first introduction to the area. And, and then you, you know, got downtown, you have First Friday, you have carousels, you have the Ross Park Zoo, you have, so uh, sp you know, uh, the Speedy Fest, and it's it just... So you want to highlight some of the I want to highlight the area, that's but great. do it through the eyes of a motorcyclist. Cool. Well, I can't wait to learn more about that. Sure, sure. So, I called you the voice of reason in, in the intro, sure. and, and I really believe that. You, it's, you know, you're one of these people that... You, you seem to really care mm -hmm. about everything. The, the area yeah, more you care than about anything. the area, you care yeah. about people and, and when, when there's a conversation, you know that shines through. So but I wanted to touch on you used to have you used to be on a uh, radio talk show. Yep. I used to um, <laughs> once again, coming through music, uh, DJing came to, uh, you know, DJing parties came to radio DJing. And the first, uh, first bit of radio DJing that I did was on a public, uh, public station, WUCI. Um, and uh, from that, DJed a couple times on WHRW, which is the Binghamton University station. Then went to DJing on WAL. Now, I'm, you know, first I went to WKGB for a year. Um, then went to AAL and stayed on AAL in all of the the different uh, the different companies that you know AAL uh, became part of and was on uh, in the voice of reason comes from the WMBF days yes. um, that I used to be a producer of a talk show on WMBF. Of course, uh, you you had the the host that was. <laughs> The, you know, and this is just a term of endearment, the loud mouth. Right. And I was the, you know, kind of the background person that when he said something funny, you can hear me laugh through right. the, through the, through the window. And, you know, when he gets excited, my job was to kind of bring center to, to the show. And that's what I hope I did that. How long did you do that for? Uh, I was on WMBF on that, in that capacity for nine and a half years. Wow and uh, was the uh, producer of the Talk With Tony show with Tony Russell. And um, stemming from working, uh, because of working through that, I became an assistant program director for AM Programming. So I looked after, uh, you know, when Roger Neal, which is another name, yes. you know, to our area. Legend. Um, legend and mentor. One of, mm. he's to this minute, one of my biggest mentors, because uh, Roger is one of the people, no matter how frustrated I would get with life in general, he would be the one because I'm working with him. He's the, the, the PA, or he's the radio announcer for Binghamton, a uh, bunch of different uh, sports, but primarily uh, 
basketball, men's basketball. So I see him at every game that the pep band is and make it a point to say, hey, Raj, what's going on? And he's he's been more than, um, you know, any of my professional friends. He's been my mentor um, throughout everything, you know, between him, Mike Carbone, Tony Kedlek, Steve Davis, uh, all of these are my close friends, but uh, I get more from just talking to them than just the average, you know, hi, how you doing, you know, and keep it moving kind of thing. He, yeah. These are people that um, have been my mentor, you know, outside of my family um, since I, since the beginning. So, um, so uh, going back to being in radio, um, uh, music radio was always what I wanted to pursue and the uh, in this area that's the one thing that's really hard to find is a radio job uh, I, I want to get back to it but it's it's there there's a whole bunch of radio going on and the people that are in in it have been doing it the, we call them lifers yeah. and they're they're not giving it up too easy right right so um i i keep in contact with all my radio friends uh, just in case but they're they've just been my friends yeah and and that's mentoring you know once again directly indirectly i mean the roger steve uh, Tony's uh, and all of them are direct mentors, but there's people around that uh, that I don't talk to daily, but I get you know I get my fuel for for life and for different uh, you know a lot of them are into politics now and politics for me is is a, is a necessary evil, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I, I try to stay right in the middle. There, there are different uh, aspects from different parties that I follow. Um, I'm, I'm personally more uh, in, in how this ties into what you were saying. I worked on a primarily conservative station, which is WMBF, but working with the talk show, you know, there, there, are, there were uh, conservative issues that we dealt with. There were democratic issues that we, uh, there are green party issues. And the one thing of working with the talk show, it showed me how, uh, how people need to work together. And that's more so than anything that's going on these days. That's not what's happening. People, yeah. People need to go back to ground zero and figure out how this person needs to work with this person. I agree, because it is so divided. Yeah, and it, the only it, way to get things done is to work together. It's really the only way. Right, and for me, that's that's one of the, the things that I've always strived to be right in the, you know, because I've had friends, you know, going back to high school, had friends that were musicians, friends that were jocks, had the academic people, and I, I wanted to be friends with all of them. And it, it seems that, that to bring it to today, it seems that everybody's divided and everybody's trying to solidify their piece of the pie for power, not for solidifying you know, the nation as a whole. It's just everybody is just about themselves at this time. And, and rather than to... Uh, 
They're be everybody's being exclusionary rather than inclusion. How do we make it better, Reese? Music. Come back to music. That's a, you know, music and love are the only universal languages that we have in, you know, in any culture. Anywhere you go, you know, if, you know, from Siberia to Africa, you go down and somebody plays music, you know, it's either good music or bad music, but it, nonetheless it's music and people will come together at that point. Yeah. If you were to take out your cell phone and call the 20-year-old Reesey, what would you say to him? Ooh, ouch. Um, become more focused. Become more focused. Uh, your music will take you places that you thought you would never be able to see. Um, your music will take you to England, to Germany, to France. Uh... Your music will take you to uh, Oklahoma to see the World Percussion Hall of Fame, or the World Percussion, uh, yeah, it's uh, Hall of Fame is what you would want to call it, but it, you, your music will take you everywhere, but you have to have a good heart. Keep your, you know, keep your, your happy-go-lucky nature. Um, Continue, you know, continue to love people as you were since you were a baby. You know, you, you know, you knew that you were always going to be the prankster. Um, but the pranks were always in good heart. You know, like there, there, there are people now that are pranking by blowing up cars. <laughs> you know, that, that's a little too much. Uh, you know, go ahead and toilet paper a tree here and there, you know, um, uh, Go ahead and put that whoopee cushion under under your teacher's <laughs> under your teacher's seat. Um, you know, always come from a good place. You know, try your best to even when people are gonna test you, people are gonna try to to bring you, you know, down to their negative level. Always keep positive. Awesome. And the last question, which I ask every guest, okay. that is, at the end of the day, hopefully, you know, 30 years down the road, mm -hmm. what do you want your legacy to be on this earth? What do you want to leave? Uh, the joy of music. Just, that, that's just simply put, the, the, the ability that, that I've, I've played with some of the world's greatest musicians, uh, some of them that were my friends, you know, that my childhood friends, some of them are, you know, far greater than, uh, than uh, imagined, you know, I, I, pl I played with Roy Ayers. Roy Ayers was uh, growing up, you know, we had all of his albums and uh, being a senior at Binghamton High, um, for two performances, Roy Ayers played at uh, Esprit, and I was able to go on stage and play with him. Wow. Um, then uh, my, my brother Billy bought me a car, and the first trip that I, first serious trip that I took with that car, was down to New York 
to play with Roy Ayers because Dave Robbins, which is a family friend, I've he's known me literally since I was born. He was his keyboard player and um, went down to play with Dave, Roy Ayers, on the Circle Line in New York. That was my first, 19 years old, my first trip, and um, was able to play all night. Uh, you know, with this monster of a musician wow. and monster of, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's a figure of acid jazz is what it's called. Uh, and it, I was just, music just has taken me uh, far beyond my scope, uh, even, you know, at a young age and even going through high school and playing at BCC with, you know, I w when I was in high school, I was playing with BCC's big band. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm playing with, you know, borderline professional musicians. And at the time, there were professional musicians that played with the BCC band. So um, get, getting back, and I do, I tangent an awful That's lot. Okay. That's but, why we're here. You know, it's no problem. Get, getting, getting back to uh, the, the, the question, my legacy is that I've, I've always wanted to make you laugh. And I've always wanted to play music for you, no matter who that person is. Awesome. Maurice Taylor, Reese T, as we called you back in the day. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing oh, this. And welcome so to the American much. Real family. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I'm, I'm happy and proud to be a part of the family. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. And speaking of podcasting, our next course will be starting soon. So if you're interested in launching your own podcast, join me at Podcast Your Passion. I'll take you through my eight-week course where I'll mentor you to build a world-class podcast. I'm only taking on a small group of people who want to share their passion through broadcasting, where I'll have you up on iTunes and YouTube within weeks so you can podcast your passion. Click on the link below for more information.